Hi, I'm Ahmed Noman. From KFAI, this is Miniculture. In five, four, three, two, one, let's ride. This podcast brings you stories about Minnesota arts, culture, and history. I just want to groove people. I just want to have like some sort of a fiesta. Oh, goodness. I want us to have our own building. Hey there, policeman. I can't breathe. Hey there, policeman. I can't breathe. Today, a vigilante bike law enforcer has taken to the Twin Cities streets. 271JHX, don't open your bike door to the bike lane. And he's causing quite a stir. But first, the sun's out, and so are the chickens. Backyard coops are on the rise around town, but setting up your first chicken operation isn't without its challenges. Our producer, Zan Holston, found this out the hard way. Here's a chronicle of his first attempt. It was about 10 degrees outside, cold, gray, miserable. So why was I so cheerful? Because it was chicken feeding time. There's nothing quite like feeding a flock of hungry hens on a frigid winter morning. Opening the coop door, it's a tumultuous affair full of cooing, squawking, and pecking. Who would have thought that six little backyard dinosaurs could scratch their way into my heart? I bought chickens last spring after having threatened to do so for years. Well, maybe it wasn't really a threat, but my partner and I had talked about doing it for so long, I realized it was never going to happen if I didn't just do it. So one day, I strolled home with a half-dozen little balls of chirping fluff, a baker's choice type deal of exotic names, a golden laced and a silver laced Wyandotte, two black Australorps, a speckled Sussex, a barred rock, and a buff Orpington. And they were so cute. They looked almost good enough to eat right out of the Happy Meal shaped box they came in. Popcorn chicken. Our tabby cat, unfortunately, agreed. When the chicks were a few weeks old, they'd outgrown their first brooder box. Basically, a Rubbermaid container with a mesh wire lid and a heat lamp for growing them in. I switched them into a bigger and deeper box with a heavy steel grate on top of it. It seemed safe enough. The cat? He must have stretched his furry arm as far down in the container as he could reach. And with the precision of a claw crane master, he managed to pluck two lovely plush toys out before I had a dark premonition. I rushed into the basement where I found two dismembered bloody chickens on the floor and the cat sauntering back to the box for another kill. It was an open and closed case. And this may sound weird, but I drew chalk outlines around the birds and took photographs for evidence. Law and Order, Special Chickens Unit. At least we hadn't named them yet. A few years back, we scored a chicken coop off a neighborhood listserv. It sat unused in our backyard for a good two years. And once we finally got our birds, it dawned on us that it wasn't really a chicken coop. It was an open-air cage on stilts. And we quickly realized that it wouldn't be a safe home for our birds once the weather turned. 
And it had a host of other problems, which my partner Morgan described. It's decrepit. It's really old. It's disintegrating. Basically, it was a chicken death trap. The whole thing shakes when you brush against it. (laughs) There were mice living in it. Too small for six chickens to live in in the winter. It's too drafty. So what to do? Overbuild. My partner read, researched, and developed some grandiose plans. Now, we're not much for old-timey sentiments like mustachioed banjo players and artisanal whiskey, but the best coupe design she found was one whose popularity peaked around the turn of last century. The south-facing wall is completely open, covered just by a heavy-duty metal mesh to allow for air intake. There are transom windows set into the roof so that air can circulate back out. Being exposed to frigid winter air, it's counterintuitive to our human sense of comfort. But remember, chickens produce their very own down jackets. They capture warm air beneath their feathers, which keeps them comfortable. But it doesn't mean they're immune to the elements. Minnesota winters are harsh and frozen. And when there's freezing, there's frostbite. While the birds' downy coats may keep their drumsticks toasty, their combs and waddles, those are their fleshy red mohawks and jowls, are prone to freezing. And there's only one way to deal with that. Mmm, you gotta rub the Vaseline right on their little comb. Good girl, Boyanka. And then on the waddles. You like that? Of course, it's not all work. When we're not busy greasing up chicken combs or watching our birds fight over kitchen scraps, there are delicious eggs to eat. Eggs with the most beautiful golden yolks. Eggs in winter that recall the warmth of the summer sun. Scrambled eggs so rich, they're almost orange. But it turns out, the eggs are the least exciting thing about the birds. Getting to know their personalities, their idiosyncrasies, getting chased around the yard by them, retrieving them from the neighbor's yards. Chickens are like the pet dogs we never knew we wanted. In fact, we mail-ordered three more well-named birds due this spring. Two Buckeyes and a Barnevelder. And we also ordered a muzzle. For the tabby. For KFAI... We're Zan Holston, Morgan Larson, and... Can you say something to the microphone, Boyanka? Good girl. All right, you're done. Thanks for not pooping on me. Who's next? And now, back to bikes. If you ever bike on the Twin Cities streets, You know, it's not unusual to get cut off or tailed by drivers. Those moves are illegal. So one Twin Cities man decided to take matters into his own hands. Sophie Nikitas has this report. On this day, Ward Rubrecht is dressing for battle. 661 Rage pressure suit, which is intended for downhill mountain bikers. Over that, I put on um, uh, an ergodyne arsenal um, molly vest. But he's not a soldier. I have my cell phone. I have a Boombotics Bluetooth speaker. Um, I have a 115 decibel air horn and a a 26 inch folding baton. Uh, Well, I've only had to pull it out three times, but occasionally people decide that they want to get out of their car and beat me up. Ward Rubrecht is a one-man enforcer. 169.18, subdivision 3, subsection 3. Drivers have to give cyclists three feet when passing. Of Twin Cities bike law. 
Minnesota 169222. To be clear, Rubecht does not get paid for this work. He's 33 years old and works in public health communications. Plus, he's in grad school getting a degree in counseling psychology. But he takes this role very seriously. He started last year. He was biking along Lake Street when he says a truck ran him off the road and sped off. But I had this uh, all on video because I had just um, bought this uh, cheap uh, Chinese manufacturer GoPro. And I was just messing around with it. And so I, uh, I, I had the video. And he kept the tape rolling. Every day, he bikes from his home in Loring Park to near downtown St. Paul. It's about 10 miles. Then he bikes back at night. And he keeps his camera on the whole time. When he gets home, he pulls out the clips of drivers that he says put him in danger. And he puts them on the internet. So Minneapolis Bike Wrath is a Facebook community and YouTube channel um, devoted to bringing uh, some attention to dangerous driving, car violence in general. On the page, you can find the license plate numbers of drivers who he says have broken the law. And you can watch Rubrecht confront some of them. Here's sound from one video. The GoPro doesn't pick up the voice of the driver very well, but you can hear Rubrecht's side of the conversation. No, I'm actually allowed to ride outside the door zone. Four feet from parked cars is what's recommended by the city. Uh, how, how much faster did you get to the stoplight where you got to stop, same as me, and I caught up with you? What did you get by breaking the law and endangering my life? You got 10 more seconds to Rubrecht stop. also sounds a little muffled because he's wearing a helmet that wraps around his head uh, and covers his face. It's basically a motorcycle helmet. I used to bike through downtown on my commute, and I pulled up behind a guy who was wearing a full-face helmet and, and ended up asking him why he got it, and he said, uh, I just got $50,000 worth of facial reconstruction surgery done, and I want to protect my investment. And I went home and ordered one that night. I actually rode with Rubrecht for part of his morning commute. I'm a pretty experienced bicycle commuter, but his riding style is intimidating. We met up outside his apartment in Loring Park. Before we reached the end of the block, a car backed up without warning. Rubrecht swerved, hopped up on the curb, and then hopped back down in front of the car. No beats missed. Rubrecht says it's easy to brush off these incidents as a driver behaving badly. But as the evidence piles up, it starts to paint a picture of more widespread issues. I don't go a single commute without two or three sort of notably dangerous things happening around me. Rubrecht knows there's only so much he can do as one person. But he's been concentrating efforts on a few businesses and organizations. He's lodged at least seven separate complaints against Metro Transit. And he's posted a lot of videos of run-ins with Metro Transit buses. I spoke with Howie Padilla, the public relations manager for Metro Transit. He said Metro Transit encourages feedback, especially the level of specifics that Rubrecht gives. License plate numbers, routes, times, intersections. But I asked him, like, how do you feel about people posting videos of your drivers and accusing them publicly of breaking the law? It's the world we live in. We're all on video everywhere these days, and, and I think people are, are, are aware of that. And Rubrecht, along with a few other people from the group, 
have caused quite a headache for one Minneapolis business. Swanson Meats is located in Seward, right off Minnehaha Avenue near the Greenway. On the Minneapolis Bike Wrath pages, there are multiple complaints about the company's truck drivers parking in the bike lane outside their building. And some commenters are taking their complaints beyond the Bike Wrath pages. We currently have their Google review score down to a 2.4 from something in the high fours. Swanson Meats declined to comment for this story. Everyone in the bike community wants cycling in the cities to be safer, but not everyone agrees with Rubrek's tactics. Some people think that we should really just be as quiet and um, timid as possible and hope that nobody kills us. Um, And then there are other people who think that, you know, being even more assertive than I am is, is a good idea. I, I refuse to do property damage or assault, and there are a lot of people who, who think that we should be keying cars and knocking off side mirrors. It sounds in some of these videos like Rubrecht is asking for trouble. Yeah, yeah, but you understand that you almost hit me with your side mirror, and if that happened, you would be fully liable for my medical bills and for anything else I felt like suing you for. It sounds more dangerous than being quiet and timid. But actually, Rubrecht says that his new tactics have made it safer for him to bike. Uh, I think I'm much less likely to die doing what I'm doing than than biking the way I was biking, which was much more deferential, um, much more polite to drivers. For example, in the past, he never biked in the middle of a lane. Instead, he would stick closer to the cars parked to his right. If a driver suddenly opens their door, it can be bad news for the biker. I got hit 12 times when I was biking that way, and since I've started biking more assertively, I haven't been hit at all. So far, Minneapolis Bike Wrath has over 500 videos uploaded, the bulk of them by Rubrecht. I, I believe I overestimated the amount of time and energy other people are willing to devote to editing video. But Rubrecht wants other people to be more involved. If we could get five or ten other people in the Twin Cities always riding with cameras, the amount of effect we could have would be far, far greater because uh, you'd really be able to show that it's a citywide problem. So the city would sound more like this. A minimum of three feet when you pass the cycle. So uh, why did you break the lawn? You came well within the three feet. For KFAI, I'm Sophie Nikitas. that'll do it for this episode of the Meniculture Podcast. Support for Meniculture is made possible by a grant from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Our music is by Javier Santiago. We'll be back soon with more stories from here in Minnesota. In the meantime, catch a wider air programming on Fresh Air Community Radio, KFAI, 90.3 FM Minneapolis and 106.7 FM St. Paul. You can listen also using the KFAI app which is available for Android devices through the Google Play Store and for iOS devices through the Apple iTunes Store. Thanks for listening. This is Ahmed Norman.